the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, here we go. Second half of the show. Willie Ramirez sitting in. Cofield here. Battleborn Broadcast Center. We'll get to a lot of football this hour as uh, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk is going to join us. And then we'll uh, we'll close out the hour with uh, Sammy P. Sam Paniotovich from Nesson and a uh, further look at gambling, especially when it comes to the NBA and also the VGK series and NHL in general. Willie Ramirez is uh, nice enough to stop by. Sit in with us. What's up, buddy? What's happening? A whole lot. A whole lot. We got a bunch going on, so we'll get into a little football later in the hour. We also have to get uh, your take on tainted meat because mm. this is always the rage in the bodybuilding world, football, mm-hmm. fighting. We always hear about tainted meat, but let's get to the football. <laughs> I want to hit this one with uh, Miles in just a little bit. I wonder what's going to happen in Patriot Land with Stephon Gilmore, and we're yeah, we're actually as. You know, it's funny. We all got so fixated on Aaron Rodgers not being at camp. There's actually quite a few players around football who are sitting out mandatory minicamp. And in some ways, I don't blame them. You know, if you don't have a guaranteed contract or the extension you want, then I'm not going to go out there and freaking risk it. Even even at the team facility, after what I saw happen with Jawan James, where teams are like, oh, you got hurt? You're out of here. And in New England, I it, have, has New England somewhat have become, not an afterthought, like as if they're just gone away, but – Sort of in the back of everyone's mind now where, where they're not at the forefront because Brady's gone and, mm-hmm. and everything that took place last year. So, yeah. you know, we're not really paying attention to what's going on. And, and I wonder if that plays in the advantage of those that are out there demand, the players that are that are looking because they're sort of – they have the leverage. Patriots are trying to climb back into that spotlight. They're trying to become – stay and become <laughs> relevant. So, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, it's, it, it's definitely uh, – it's definitely interesting when New England creeps into the news when they're usually at the forefront. Boy, this one changed quickly. Le'Veon Bell the other day was complaining about Andy Reid and said he'll never play for Andy Reid again. I read it. I'm like, dude, are you going to play for anyone again? Like, you were a flop last year. You were a flop in New York. Running backs now, no one cares about old running backs. Todd Gurley's been – and Todd Gurley, by all accounts, is a pretty good guy, and he's willing to go somewhere and – you know, not make a whole lot of money. I mean, that that guy, and so was Le'Veon Bell. Massive figures around the NFL. Like Le'Veon, you you are a, you have a, a new resume now. Okay, you are not a superstar. So when you go out and rip one of the most likable coaches that no one complains about, what are you doing? And by the way, of course, he's now apologized because I'm sure people around him are like, "Dude, what are you doing? Do you want to play this year?" And not, and and you say new resume, but the the fact of the matter is that resume carries a lot of baggage so i mean you 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 have that these comments it's sort of one of those things where hey you know you better be amicable because if 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 you push yourself out the door who's going to want to bring you on because it's just a constant you know pain in the rear with 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 your comments your antics and so on so now all of a sudden it happens again and like you said against andy reed against an afc favorite right a super bowl champ a defending afc champ uh ravens just had in Gurley. You think the Ravens, after they hear that, hey, I, I don't like Andy Reid, you think the Ravens are like, oh, yeah, let's bring him in here. Right. Like, no. Like, you, you're you're a noted pain in the ass. And I when I said new resume, it's basically you're an old guy. Yeah. He's the equivalent of, like, 
62-year-old sports radio guy who's had 19 jobs and the last four have ended poorly because he's a jackass and was saying stupid stuff on the air. And manager was like, dude, we told you. We can't do it. And and like you said, if you can't get along with one of the most you know, successful and, and, and respected coaches, what what growing organization or what young organization or what hungry organization is going to want to bring you in to disrupt things with that ego? Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Good Raider Nation, Dog Jacobs. Happy to be back, man. You see me in the stadium taking photos. Let's get it. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. All right, rolling on here on a Tuesday. Reminder, tomorrow we'll be on the road. Orleans Bailiwick is the spot for game two of the Golden Knights and Montreal. Willie Ramirez is sitting in. Let's get to some more football here, get some questions answered about some of these holdouts. Miles Simmons, PFT, is up. What's up, Miles? Hey, guys. I'm doing all right. How are you? We're good. We're good. We're wondering what was going on uh, in New England with Stefan Gilmore. Is this going to get worked out, or is Belichick just going to go, you know what, no one flexes their muscle on me, not even Tom Brady. You're out of here. That's an interesting one because, you know, I I don't feel like New England's a real Super Bowl contender this year, you know, no matter what, because I'm, it's not that I'm not really a believer in Cam Newton, but I guess I'm just not really a believer in Cam Newton. And even if Mac Jones is able to eventually take over this year as a starter, I don't feel like he's going to be somebody who can, like, actually lead them to a championship. And really, but that's a hard division that they're in, too. You know, between the Buffalo Bills and uh, also the Miami Dolphins, I think that, you know, the Dolphins have some questions with Tua, but they should still be pretty good this year. So all that is to say, I, I feel like if it comes down to it and Belichick can get what he feels like is good enough value for somebody like Gilmore, then yeah, Gilmore might be out of there just because they're not necessarily in a championship window this year. So if you can get something for a cornerback who people still think of is really, really good, then you might be better off. What do you think of multiple teams bailing on the mandatory minicamp, including the Texans, which I thought was hilarious because Cully's like, yeah, we got everything done. We needed to. You, you did. Okay. Uh, the Colts, the Niners bailed. They had some injuries. <laughs> they were out. The Eagles were out. What's going on with these teams that just said, hey, we're not doing it? You know, I think it's part of it is like that whole thing with uh, the NFLPA and they're saying, oh, you know, we need to do less than the off-season program. We need to do this. We need to do that. And it depends on a lot of the teams, too, with their head coaches. And they're like, all right, you know, we actually need to get out there. We need to make sure we're running plays. We need to do this. We need to do that. Or other teams are like, no, all we need to do is do some walkthrough stuff. You know, it, it's nice that you're here and we'll get together. and Maybe we'll do some team bonding activities and things like that. But we already know what it is that we're doing. But if you're a first-year head coach like David Culley is, you know, and you have had this entirely mess of an offseason with the Texans, you've got all these guys who are new. What did you really accomplish? I mean, it's, we'll see, you know, if that bold strategy works out for them when it comes to the regular season. But if you're a team like the Niners where 
your head coach has been there for four years or you're a different place like that, it's one thing. But I think, you know, for these teams with new head coaches, like the Eagles, like the, the Texans, you're bailing on the mandatory program. It's like, all right, well, if you feel like you got everything you need to get done done, then fine. But you're going to have to prove that when it comes to training camp and the regular season because that, that, that is something that is sometimes a little bit confusing. Miles, how much do you think an underlying theme could be with some of these teams um, that they're not meeting enough of a threshold with the vaccinations? And so they're saying that they've gotten enough done or they don't want to get out there. But in the reality is that they don't want to come forth and say we have players or we have we have more than we should players that haven't been fully vaccinated or just got one shot or they're delaying, whatever the case may be. And that may be an underlying theme. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens once we get into training camp. Um, because, frankly, I think when players are around other players every day, and they've got to be, and they go back to the hotels and whatnot, you know, if you're vaccinated, and this has not been fully agreed to by the NFL and the NFLPA, then you're going to have uh, you're going to be subject to different rules than if you're not vaccinated. And if your team gets to what is thought of, at least at this point, to be the 85% threshold on the team, then your team is going to have different rules than other teams. And again, that has not been formalized by the NFLPA and the NFL, but it's, it's where the wind is blowing at this point. So if teams don't get there, then they're going to be living in basically kind of the same reality that they all lived in in 2020. And everybody hated that reality. You know, where you have to get a thing stuck up your nose and swished around every single day because you're not vaccinated and because they're trying to make sure that all of these games can get off as soon as possible. I mean, even just this week, the Jaguars had one of their linebackers that, you know, who tested positive for COVID. So now he can't be there at minicamp. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh, man, we're actually not out of this pandemic yet. You know, we actually are still here. We actually still have to do things to make sure that people aren't, you know, spreading the virus if they haven't gotten vaccinated yet. So I, I just feel like if players see all of the different conveniences that they can have in getting back to normal life, for instance, you know, it's thought of that if you are vaccinated, then you're going to be able to go out of the hotel when you go to a visiting city, see your family, you know, you're going to be able to go out of town when it comes to the bye week. All of that stuff is really important. All that stuff is what players are used to doing. And if you can't do that, then that's a pretty big incentive, I think, to get vaccinated. But, yes, it's going to be a story, especially for those teams that don't get to that. what's thought of as that 85% threshold. Well, one team that must not uh, want the, the swishing around and, and, and jamming of uh, – of swabs up the nose is the Raiders because they sure have made their rounds at the Golden Knights game, cranking that uh, that in between period and before puck drop siren. Are you seeing around the league more and more though? You know the players sort of just blending back into normalcy in, in in whatever it may be. I mean, out here, of course, the Golden Knights deep into the playoffs, so we're seeing Raiders make appearances. Derek Carr, in, in his uh, media availability today, said that he had a long talk with Mark Stone, uh, you know, in, in that he's inspiring him, uh, Stone, and what they're doing is inspiring Carr. And Carr was very pro-Las Vegas, and this is where I want to play, and you know, there was just a lot to it. I mean, and, and but, you know, every game in the playoffs, at least one of the three 
people that are ringing the siren, this alarm that rings throughout the arena be, uh, just before puck drop, it's been a Raider. Yeah, okay, well, I have to be completely honest with you. I have no idea who in the world Mark Stone is because you start talking to me about <laughs> hockey. That's where my knowledge just completely falls <laughs> off. Like, it took me context clues to figure out that you were talking about a Vegas Knights guy. So you lost me on that one. But I will tell you that I think that as people are getting more vaccinated, like, yes, you are seeing more folks go out and to do different things. And you've seen different players at NBA games, at hockey games. I, I think about um, the Islanders and the Jets. They had something going on. You saw Zach Wilson there. Um, Robert Sala, their head coach, he's been out there too. So, yeah, I think as more things open up, it, it follows logic, right? Like we're all starting to do more things that feel more normal. And I don't blame players if they want to go do that, especially if they're vaccinated. Now, if they're not, then that's their own personal choice, and they're putting their own health and the health of others at risk. But, you know, as we get closer to it, yeah, once, once we get to training camp, though, it's going to be a different story, right? Because if guys aren't vaccinated and they're jeopardizing the health of their team and health and safety of their teams, then that's going to be an entirely different issue than where we're at right now, where this is almost the one dead period of the NFL. Right? Once many camps are over this week, then it's sort of like a little break unless we hear somebody blowing their hand off at, with fireworks or, and or getting arrested for a DUI over the course of the mini break, then we're not really going to hear much from these players until they get back into training camp. So we'll see what happens then. Miles Simmons with us from Pro Football Talk. Get up there. Miles has a ton of stories. And uh, Mike Florio, of course, is writing. Well, he is the site. He's not just writing for the site. Um, I, one last point I wanted to get to. You know, there's so many players asking for uh, – raises and extended deals are what do you think the Browns are going to do with Nick Chubb? Cause he's highly accomplished through three seasons. This is a, about the time when running backs are like, Hey, how about that long-term deal? Cause they don't want to get screwed on the back end. What's going to happen with him? That's a great question. And I think that he's somebody that the Browns should be interested in signing long-term because he's such an integral part of that offense. I mean, you got to remember Kevin Stefanski came from a system in Minnesota Browns head coach, you know, that, they rely on the run so much Think about what Dalvin Cook has done over the last couple of years. And the way that uh, the Browns used Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb last year, they really had a shot to both go over 1,000 yards. Nick Chubb ended up over 1,000 yards, and Kareem Hunt ended up with around 800 there. So they need their running backs because the running backs propel the offense. And I think if you're talking about Baker Mayfield, and he's obviously going to get you know, 30 $35 million a year, because that's just what the going market rate for quarterbacks is, and he's proven that he can go into the playoffs and win you a playoff game. So he's going to get that contract. It's not a matter of if, but when. You want to also have somebody who can tote the rock and still make sure that you know that offense is humming as well as you'd like it to. So for this particular offense, I almost feel like running back is a more important position than wide receiver, which is a weird thing to say in 2021 in the NFL. But based on the way they work, the Browns need to think about really seriously signing him to a long-term deal. And if they don't, then the other option is you franchise him twice and you kind of see where you are in a, after you know the 2022 season um, when, excuse me, the 2023 season when he would have been franchised twice. So I, I think that it behooves the Browns right now to get him under contract. He did say today that he believes that his representation and the Browns have had some of those conversations. So we'll see where those things lead. But, yeah, I, I just feel like for the Browns, they've got to sign Nick Chubb to a long-term deal because if they don't, then where really is your offense? You can go out and get a running back, but that guy is special. 
Make sure you check out profootballtalk.com right now. Miles has stories up there about uh, guys on division rivals like uh, Drew Locke and talking about his confidence and uh, Frank Clark and his goals, of course, Frank Clark from the Chiefs. Miles, we're up against it, man. We do appreciate it. We'll check in with you next Tuesday. Absolutely, guys. Take care. There he is, Miles Simmons, former writer at the RJ and uh, now working for Pro Football Talk. On the way back, we'll get to the Fat Pack and – well, one of the uh, first high-profile high positive tests for uh, PEDs on the U.S. team. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's all right, Fat Pack is here on a Tuesday. Believe it or not, the Olympics are five weeks away, which is crazy. I was talking last hour about how uh, many people in Japan are like, please don't come here. We're, you know, we've had minimal issues with COVID. We're not vaccinated. We've been closing out the rest of the world to try to deal with this. And now thousands of athletes and many more thousands of, uh, I'm sure media people would like to come. So it's a weird vibe. Yeah. Uh, and right now the U S Olympic trials are going on. And this is, this is a crazy one. Uh, the record holder in the U S Shelby Houlihan in the 1500 and 5,000 meters is now facing a, a four year ban from competition. She tested positive for a what Nandrolone, right? And she's saying that it's because she ate a pork burrito. Tainted meat excuse. We've heard it, Steve, over and over. And, you know, um, you sent the link in the rundown. And the very first thing, and I just told you, you know, off the air, the subhead of this story is what threw me off immediately is why is a world-class – Olympic athlete representing the country. Why are you ordering a burrito from a food truck? I mean, you're training for the Olympics and or the Olympic trials, and you're and and now and don't get me wrong, I am not slamming food trucks and 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 the hard workers out there. We have I know that there's fantastic food trucks in Las Vegas, so don't get me wrong, I am not slamming food trucks and those who and entrepreneurs and enterprisers that go out there and, and make a decent living and that's what they do. What I'm saying is this. You are a world-class athlete. You are following a specific regimen. You are following a specific diet. You are supposed to be you have trainers, you have coaches, and you have meal plans. And you know, as a uh, as a business partner and father of somebody who is in the fitness industry. I can tell you Steve that when Jordan was coming through the uh, coming up in his career, there were multiple companies that came at him, local companies that that made pre-workouts and different, you know, different things, and he asked them for the formulas because it wasn't on the label. Right. He said, "Hey, I just want to know and it's not because I'm trying to steal your formula. I'm not trying to cuz you know, we have our own line of seasonings." He wanted to know what he was putting in his body. Yeah, I got to know. And he, and he trains under the Muscle Mania brand, which is a natural bodybuilding organization. They drug test. 
And he wanted to know anytime that a pre-workout company said, and they said, well, we can't give you our formula. They said, well, then I can't go rightfully go on my Instagram, go on my social media and promote your product if I don't know what I'm putting in my own body. So here you have an Olympic athlete, right? And she, she's, she, I mean, I just don't understand and where, where the coaches she, are. She's never knowingly ingested anything. She said, you know, she's explained it to him multiple times. She says, I feel betrayed by the sport I love. I did not do this. Uh, and essentially, I have no recourse here, so I've kind of lost all faith in the testing process. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. And and I can tell you that, uh, what was it, the second year with the Golden Knights, I had an off-the-record conversation with Nate Schmidt in the press box up in T-Mobile, and he said that he it was a mistake as to what took place, but he's also never, you know, the things that you hear and the things that this, and, and th that was a legitimate product. But, you know, it, you you hear these things and how many years into it are we hearing the different things that are, quote unquote, tainted, whatever. Again, I'm just saying you're training for something. I mean, you, you just think that the, the coaches or some they'd have prep meals, whatever. And maybe she just figured, hey, I can cheat or I can have a cheat meal, whatever. You just got to be more careful. I, it, it, do I believe that there there are possibilities of tainted meat out there? Do I believe that there are things, there are products that you don't know? Absolutely. And I'll tell you why. Um Great guy in the community, local product, eight years in the NFL, state champion football coach, Vernon Fox. He told me once that there was one product that they, when he was playing with the Broncos and the Chargers and the Redskins line, one product, one brand that, that they're all NFL said, this is the only brand. If you walk into a nutrition store, you can get those products. We endorse it. Any other product, I don't care if it's over the counter and it just says clean protein. You are not allowed to have it because you never know what's going to be in it. And they followed that by the by the uh, rule of law. Sam Peniotovich is up next. He's our gambling insider on Tuesdays. He's going to tell us how he is going to approach the rest of the Golden Knights series. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. ESPN Las Vegas on a Tuesday. We're bringing our gambling experts, well, mostly expert, Sammy P. Sammy P. Rough one for you, buddy. Sorry about last round with the Golden Knights against the Avs. You are not sorry. You are not sorry, <laughs> nor should you be sorry for that matter, because I was very cocky. I was. Um, I don't want to say arrogant. I felt really good about the Avs being up two games to none. I did not have the Vegas Golden Knights winning four straight. I don't think anybody did, for that matter. No. Uh, well, a couple of things, because I know you said when you saw 170 before the series, the Avs were favored, that you thought it was more like Avs 200. Uh, you thought maybe as strong as Avs 250. But I think as we found out, the Knights are a deeper team, so all four lines can really play, so they keep coming at you in waves. And frankly, I thought a big part of the series was the coaching. I don't think Bednar was able to make any adjustments, and Pete DeBoer just crushed him on the coaching front. I thought the Knights were exceptional in games five and six. Now, even saying that, I think it was game five. Wasn't that the game that was decided in overtime? So that's a game that could go either way. I yep. mean, this is hockey, though. You know, the best team, the most deserving team doesn't always win. Um, I think in a lot of the series, you know, teams like the Islanders were better than the Bruins over the course of the whole series. The Bruins were very good. Uh, that series tied two to two game five. The Bruins are up one nothing. But I thought the game should have been three or four to nothing. And if you don't capitalize on the mistakes your opponents make, you find yourself booking tea times. And I think the Avalanche had plenty of opportunities. 
um, in game three, also in game five, but they didn't maximize the mistakes that Vegas made. And I'll tell you what, man, Alex Petrangelo was the best player in that whole series. And he really flipped the switch, I think, right after game two. And that's really the leadership in the room. The Knights have done a great job. You know, you do the expansion draft, you bring all these players in, but they have made a bevy of moves, you know, notably bringing in Mark Stone, who's the captain of the team, and bringing in Alex Petrangelo. Those moves have catapulted them to now the betting favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Westgate has minus 150 right now, and that's because of the room and because of the guys that are making big plays team needs. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, all the expansion draft stuff is crap. I mean, that's how they built the original team, but people have kind of ignored the narrative since, which is when they've had a chance to go out and add someone significant, they've done it repeatedly. And uh, now the scary part for Montreal is that many of the defensemen are starting to click and get better on offense, including Shea Theodore. So going back to the app series, yeah, it was close. It was close. It was not a blowout series, which also means that this Montreal series is not cinched yet. Last night was a rough one for Montreal. I think they had a little bit of an, an adrenaline dump uh, after a good first period. But for this one to now be the Golden Knights minus 1,100 is a little crazy. <laughs> Which implies, of course, about a 91% chance of probability. That number is astronomically high. But this is the conversation I think I always talk about on my show on Chicken Dinner do you love the team or do you love the price? And I watched that game, game one. I have a piece of the Canadians at four to one, which a lot of the Cofield and Company listeners are like, well, you just hate the Knights at this point. No. Um, <laughs> I, look, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my hands around Vegas being a $5 series favorite. That, that to me is, is insane. It's even more insane now to have them minus 1100. But if you ask me point blank, hey, Sammy, remove the prices, who do you like? It's Vegas. But at the number, it's like I just I can't justify a team being a nine percent favorite or hockey game. Right. Um listen, some of their scoring acumen could drop off, right? Uh also Flurry allowing a lot of rebounds, you know, that could come back to cost him. There were a lot of loose pucks in front of the net last night. That could come back to cost him. So we'll see what happens here over the next couple of games. Uh I didn't get in on Montreal for the series, although I should. Uh, I still have to kind of recover from what I saw, especially in the second period where they did get dominated. But I did. You just mentioned the uh, future bet on the Stanley Cup. Um, I am in on the Lightning. The Lightning were the favorite to win the title a week ago, maybe by 10 or 20 cents over the Knights. Now they're 3-1. to one. I'll take some of that. Well, don't you also have the Knights at plus 350 or something no, like no, that? No, I had, I had, uh, no, I had the last series. I had the Av series, 350 and 500. Okay, so you took them to win the last series. Okay, Correct. so you made some money there. Good for you. I always applaud when people make money and when <laughs> people go out on their own and, and uh, you know, create a fire out of wood. That's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Here's the angle, though, that I think a lot of people aren't talking about. Montreal does not have home ice. And when I say that, I yeah. mean, you know, you watch that game in Vegas. The place was a freaking zoo. It's a full boat. Everybody's there. People are hammered. You know, they go there. It's a party. It's Vegas. Montreal's got like 3,000 fans at home. Yeah. So, I, I mean, does that help them? No. I mean, comparatively speaking, it doesn't. We're in a, a time we've never seen before where you've got a strong, serious home ice advantage in one arena in Las Vegas and almost nothing 
in Canada where they aren't really allowing any fans in. We've never seen this in a playoff series. And I think the tax is built in not only with Vegas because people love the, they love the bet Vegas, especially in Vegas. I mean, station casinos was minus five fifty on the series before it started, but people love uh, love the bet Vegas and Vegas has this unfair home ice advantage. So I look, I'm not going to lay 11 to one the other way that they win the series, but I don't know that I love Montreal anymore either. So it's it's um, it's a strange time, man. And, and hopefully by the time we get the football season, everything is back to a level playing field. Because if I'm a Canadians fan right now, I'm PO'd. This is not a fair series because oh, you got a full boat and we don't. Sam Paniotovich is with us from Nesson, from uh, FS1. You know, it's something I pointed out about two months ago. I was really looking more at the Lakers uh, as they advanced in the Western Conference. And I was pointing out, listen, Utah is pretty cool with COVID. They're going to have a full building come June LA may never have a full building because they're going to you know they're going to wait although they are opening up uh, today is opening day for California so they lift a lot of the restrictions now so far it hasn't played well you tell me has it has it played a factor we've got a 2-2 series of the Clippers and the Jazz so both held home court but the environments were very different in Salt Lake and LA I don't know how we assess what the Clippers are. <laughs> they didn't need home court yeah. in the first round. You know, they won every game on the road and then they uh, they win game seven at home. But home court meant nothing to them in the first round. And in this round, home court has meant everything. Um, I don't know. I also don't think the bookmakers know. The thing is, the betters are laying 11 to win 10. And that's why we are always at a disadvantage. You know, I talked to a couple guys about that Lakers and Suns series. You know, I said, hey, look, Suns have, I think, 90% fans at the time. Lakers were, I think the series when it started, they were at 20, and then they may have jacked it to 30, whatever. It wasn't a fair shake on both sides. And I would ask the guys, hey, like, how do you quantify this? Your job is based on quantifying things. Put a number on this, put a number on that. How do you quantify home court when one building's at 90% and one is at 30? And the response is this simple. We're guessing. But so are you. And you have to lay 11 and win 10. So they don't know how to quantify home court and home ice with moving targets. Nobody can. But the betters still have to lay 11 to win 10. And that's why the betters always have an uphill battle. We've got Nets Bucks going down in about 45 minutes. we got this whole mess with James Harden. Uh, maybe a chance he plays. Uh, but the overall odds for this are kind of crazy because you've got the Bucks as a minus 150 favorite in the series against the Nets. Uh, the Nets actually just moved from the NBA favorite for the title. Uh, now, at, at least at William Hill, it's Suns 325, Bucks 350, Nets 350. They're trying to write some Brooklyn bets right now. Um, that's for sure. That's what you do when you move a price out like that. Um, I mean, there's liability in the kitty on Brooklyn, but there has been an avalanche of Bucks money, not only to win the series, but to win the East and to win the title ever since you know Harden went down number one and then Irving rolls his ankle in game four, they have been riding Bucks money nonstop. It's a fluid market. We know that. I'm still a little PO'd, though, man, because I wrote about 1,200 words about the Nets not having Harden and Irving, and I had to pretty much delete the whole thing because, you know, Woj drops a bomb earlier today like, oh, yeah, Harden's uh, he's cleared to play now. So all of a sudden this piece that I spent two and a half hours on is in the recycling bin, and I, I had to rewrite it and reattack it. I, I'll never not be fascinated, Steve, by the market opening for Game 5, Milwaukee minus 2.5. They write it up to 4 because everybody thinks Harden and Irving are out. And then once Woj hits send on that tweet, 
the market goes from four to three and a half to three, and it goes right back where it started at two and a half. And nothing really changed. I mean, like, yeah, like we didn't think Harden was going to play, but it was always possible. We're all guessing. We have no idea. Now, here's the other thing. Assuming he does play, how effective is he going to be? What if he only plays six minutes and pops it? We don't know. We're all guessing, buddy. Uh, the total on this game, we're talking to Sam Paniotovic. little gambling update here on a Tuesday. The under is 4-0 in the series. Now, from game one, the total is down nearly 20 points at only 220 and a half today. So what do you do with the total? Well, you can't baby it down if you're a bookmaker, right? You, yeah. you have to over-adjust, and I think you know that. That's the way it goes. You know, the first total in game one was 239 on the open, and I think it closed at 237 and a half or so, and, and it went under big time. And none of these games have really been all that close. So you almost have to, you know, write it down because you know that people catch on to this stuff. Um, there's a reason that it's also tipped back up. Uh, you know, earlier today it was like 219, and now we're seeing, you know, numbers close to 220 and a hook, 221. I don't think it really matters at this point um, what the public thinks. I, I just think they have to over adjust because none of these games have been close. I mean, we don't see 20-point total adjustments in your average basketball series. You know, if a total for game one opens at 202, maybe by the end of the series it's down to 194 if the games are crossed. We don't see 238 to 220. Um, I think eventually they're due to make some shots, and they, they certainly play with pace, uh, the Brooklyn Nets do. But, man, Milwaukee just goes so cold from the floor, and Giannis turns into a chucker. I don't. I don't love the over. I think it's due. Uh, but what I'm doing with the series, I took three and a half when the news came out today with the Nets. And I think if you shop around and you take plus 130 on Brooklyn, if they win this game, all of a sudden they're minus 200 to win the series because guess what? Now they have game seven at home. Yep. So my advice to you would be if you like the Nets to win the series and you think Harden is fine and Irving could return, the Nets on their home floor, yeah, you could take the three or the two and a half. You could also take plus 130, plus 135 to win the series. They win tonight, and you're all of a sudden a massive favorite. And then guess what? You could take the Bucks of plus money, and then you can't lose. Hawks plus 250 in the series. What have you been playing in the series with the uh, Sixers in Atlanta? I wish they were better as a team. I wish they scored more inside. Um, they just have no answer for Embiid. But the last two games, I have taken Trey Young to be the leading scorer nice. in the game. And uh, in game three, it was plus 225. He was the leading scorer thanks to a three with a minute to go, and they were down 15. Thank you. Cash that one. And then uh, in game four, he was plus 190 to be the leading scorer. So he's been the leading man two games in a row. And um, I look – are the Hawks good enough to beat the Sixers in Game 5? Eh, I don't know. Can they win the series? Mm, probably not. Is Trey Young going to take 26 shots again, though, like he did in Game 4? <laughs> I think so. He's a chucker, man, and he doesn't stop. So that'll be an angle I'll be looking at for Game 5. I don't love that point spread. The fact that it opened 6.5 scares the hell out of me as a Hawks guy. But Trey is going to get his shots. Buddy, he was the leading scorer in Game 4. He was 8 of 26 from the floor, and he still got there. So... If he makes five or six more shots, he will be the leading scorer. He could get 35 or 40, easy, with the volume. Major League Baseball, we're about 65 games in, so you track in MVP markets? 
Yeah, Vlad Jr. just came into my backyard in Boston, hit a million home runs this weekend. I don't know if you saw. He hit a ball like it would have landed in New York City if it didn't hit one of the baggies (laughs) over the monster. That's how the ball was crushed. The exit velocity was like 118 miles an hour. At the Westgate right now in Vegas, Vladdy Jr. minus 150 to win the MVP. Showtime, Otani, he's plus 150. Everybody else has been raised up. I think the next best person is 18 to 1. How about this, though? National League market, Jacob DeGrom is now the favorite, 2-1. to one. Well, that that's fascinating because, uh, obviously, one of our big stories the last couple of days is this 10-game suspension thing for the uh, the grip violation, the, the sticky substance. So what do we do with pitchers? I mean, are you looking, like, game to game at pitchers who have been on fire, especially guys who haven't been that great over the course of their career and starting to fade them? Uh, I don't, it's, it's a good question. The thing about the Grom is that like, he still doesn't make you money. I mean, you look at his unit yep. count this year. If you were to bet a unit on Jacob, the Grom in every single game this year, you're still down money. <laughs> even though, even though the team is seven and three, when he wins, you're still barely up money because he's minus two sixty five against Miami. They lost minus two sixty five against the Red Sox. He lost. Minus two thirty five against Team X. They like he's such an expensive favorite that if he's minus two thirty and he loses one of the three, you're down. You know you're down money with the juice. So that's not a guy I've been betting. That's been a much better pitcher to bet under for the game and under in the first five. I mean, you watch it the Grom game after five innings, it's like one to one. And then the best part about the first five is you don't get cooked on the on the uh, extra innings, right? Sometimes you bet at the ground game under seven and a half. It's three to three after eight, <laughs> and then it's a three-run homer in the eleventh or whatever, and you lose even though you should have won. So the best way to bet the ground for the last couple of years, it hasn't been on the money line. It's been the first five under and the game under. Those have been the best ways to attack. Yeah, try to avoid at all costs uh, Familia coming in with his gas can to blow up every bet you make that's on the Mets <laughs> or, or on the under. Let, let's close on this. We got U.S. Open coming up, and – Oh, I'd say it's goofy, but I don't know. You tell me. Uh, one of the storylines going in is Phil. Phil Mickelson is forty-five to one to win it, and there's also props just to to make the cut. Uh, what do you think? Are you going to put some money on Phil? I'm fading Phil. You know me, man. You know how I'm wired. I found plus a quarter that he misses the cut, plus one twenty-five at one book. Uh, I was talking to one bookmaker in Vegas, said that we have written the most tickets in the entire future book on Phil Mickelson. Uh, not on John Rahm, not on DeChambeau, not on Kepka. The most tickets they've written so far. And we got a couple days ago, granted. Phil Mickelson is the ticket count leader at one Las Vegas sports book. What planet are we living on? <laughs> I mean, I'll fade it- that all day, man. All plus right. a quarter, plus 125 that he misses the cut. I'll be fading him. I don't like doing it, but sometimes, buddy, you do what you got to do. Sam, you're the best, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, I got to pay this debt soon. Let me know when I can send pizza and wings over. Oh, you'll be paying it eventually. There he is, Sammy Paniotovich from Nesson and also FS1. Five o'clock hours on the way. We'll get into looking ahead for the Golden Knights and what game two could hold in this challenge against the Canadians. The phones are always open on Cofield and Company. Call 702-364-1100 now.